Welcome to CompTIA Shark Bites with Alan Shark, Vice President, Public Sector, and Executive Director of CompTIA's Public Technology Institute, where we explore tech leadership in the public sector. Hi there, everyone. This is Alan Shark, and welcome to another episode of CompTIA Shark Bites and also SharkBites.net. I'm so pleased to welcome a return guest who you may recall, and if not, you should, Dr. Jonathan Reichenthal, who appeared on Shark Bites on December in 2020, just before the pandemic. Welcome, Jonathan. It's great to be back, Alan. Lovely to see you. Same here. You know, we share so much in common. You are a professor, you're a writer, you are a blogger. Um, you're a very, very busy person. And you <laughs> were a former, people may forget, you were a former CIO of uh, Palo Alto, California. Mm -hmm. um, you have won multiple awards in technology and, and business. Uh, your career spanned uh, both the private and public sector. You've been a biz senior business engineering manager, director of technology innovation, and has served as, again, CIO of both uh, O'Reilly Media and the city of Palo Alto, California. You are currently the founder of advisory investment education firm called Human Future and also creates online education for LinkedIn Learning. Um, you have written three books on the future of cities, Smart Cities for Dummies, which is where we left off last time. We mm -hmm. were kind of talking about that. And then you went on to do Exploring Smart Cities Activity Book for Kids, Get Them While They're Young, and Exploring <laughs> Cities Bedtime Rhymes. So again, you are, are really looking for that future talent. But your latest book, Data Governance for Dummies, is available now. Uh, and I understand you're working on a new book about cryptocurrencies. Of course, that keeps changing. So uh, we'll see how that turns out and also when it turns out. So mm -hmm. uh, again, welcome. Thank you. I I'm exhausted just listening to what you just said. <laughs> I'm exhausted. And this is the short version. If you were to go to uh, Jonathan's website, um, there is the sh very short version, a short version, and the longer version. And even the longer version uh, is uh, breathtaking. So um, I, I guess I want to start. I mean, I I have all your books. Well, not the kid books. I'm sorry. Um, but I do have your uh, Smart City for Dummies. And I think the first thing we need to establish for anyone who does not know that you're not targeting dummies. We don't want to insult uh, your potential readers. And yet the style of your writing is so digestible. I mean, I was able to look at uh, your latest data governance for dummies, and it's like, what a readable format. What led you to that? Mm -hmm. Well, first, no, thank you for that lovely comment. I mean, when you say it's very digestible, easy to read, I feel like I've succeeded because that's my goal. I want to take what I think are pretty complicated topics and make them accessible to, to the most amount of people. Uh, so fundamentally, people who know me and, and for those that don't, they know that I'm they should know that I'm an educator. That that's what my passion is today. I love to work with students of all ages and all, you know, in, in at universities, in a professional context, you know, in businesses, uh, and 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 more. So uh, I, I write and I do videos and I do all these things uh, as different instruments of, of education. And you know what? When I teach, I also learn. And that's a joy for me, too. Um, what we found was when I say we, my, my book publisher, uh, Wiley, and myself was that there was an increasing demand in this topic. And 
And so I have a little bit, uh, you know, a good history on this. I, I produced a video series on data governance about five years ago, which uh, which was very well received and continues to be very popular. It's on LinkedIn Learning. So I've established myself sort of as a person who knows a little bit about this topic, plus, you know, as a CIO in, in several organizations that you listed, you know, I, I've had responsibility for data management and data governance uh, at the high level. And so the combination of those two things led the publisher to say, hey, Jonathan, would you be interested in writing, you know, a, a comprehensive book on this on this topic that's now getting more and more popular? It's not a new topic. You know that well. I, I guess, uh, you know, a lot of tech people know, you know, we're not breaking any news here. This is not uh, suddenly a topic of great interest today. It's been important since, you know, the information age began. It's just got really important as data has exploded in every aspect of our world. And so I thought about it, you know, writing dummies books, despite the title, actually is quite hard uh, because you have this, you know, template and you have this particular approach. So I had to kind of think about it for a few days. You know, do I really want to spend the next year, uh, you know, putting together this book? And on balance, I said, yeah, let's do this. I think I could do a good job of it. I, I had, I had, uh, picked up quite a few data governance books that were that were already published and many are many are quite good uh, but but there are quite a few that are just undigestible <laughs> you know they, they they require prerequisite knowledge and there's a lot of terms and then there's some that you kind of read and you're like I, I don't know what to do with this information it, it's not practical so I felt I could really fill a, a, a kind of a void here write the comprehensive guide on data governance but write it in a way that everybody can understand it, and then take action. So that's the story. It's a very practical guide. And I think for anyone that's kind of dabbling in this area, I think you can feel assured from both of us, one who's read it and one who wrote it, that uh, this should give you a reasonable sense of confidence that all the bases are touched in such a way that it is digestible. And you can kind of say, hmm, this may apply here, or I think this will apply there. And But I want to back up a little bit, which yeah. I find you're you're in a unique position to address. The role of the CIO in the public sector has gone through all sorts of changes. And when you think mm -hmm. about the name, Chief Information Officer, <laughs> and then we have now these new titles, Chief Data Officer, Chief Knowledge. We have a whole bunch of chiefs. Yeah. What has happened to the CIO? I mean, has that become relegated to the Chief Infrastructure Officer by default? <laughs> you would think that the CIO would be sitting on top of data governance. And and yet we have all these subparts, and it's not that these people are reporting through the CIO. In many cases, they're reporting to all sorts of different uh, functions. Thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a very insightful question. I was, you know, always wondering that myself, having had the title twice in two organizations. Uh, I always found it interesting that the emphasis was on information, and then. I have to say, when I when I joined a city and I became the head of technology for a city, people thought the chief information officer was the communications person, the person mm. who wrote the press releases and you know uh, worked with the media when there was a crisis or something, and and so it, it even confused the marketplace to some degree. It, it is to me a title that you know uh, has exceeded its its uh, its value. You know, I, I actually think chief technology officer is a better title. I, I, I like that better, even though, you know, can, when you get into the weeds, there, there's this distinction, right? Um, but I, I think that's a better description of the role of this leader, this person who, 
is accountable for delivering systems that you know drive a business. Um, and so, I, you know, it, it's a legacy, right? It's CIO. It, it, it's sort of it's the name that's stuck, and it continues. Um, a lot of my colleagues who are sort of uh, maybe in between a CIO and a CTO have the chief digital officer title. Uh, that has been one that, again, is, is is evolving very rapidly. And sometimes people think that's the marketing person. And by the way, sometimes it is the marketing person. Um, so that's that's another one. I've heard um, chief information and technology officer, the CITO. <laughs> so you can see we're playing with this with this thing. Look, at the end of the day, the IT leader has moved into the C-suite. Uh, the IT leader is a strategic role. Uh, in fact, more than ever. I used to joke, you know, in the early days, the uh, the CIO or the, the the head of technology would would go into the C-suite, you know, into the leader's room for the meetings, the, the weekly meetings, and would have to learn like uh, uh, the, the sort of financial information, would have to learn uh, about human resources, about strategy. So basically learning about all his or her colleagues, right? And today what you find is the head of IT moves into the room and everybody in the room has to learn about technology. It's sort of, you know, flipped uh, because tech tech is the center of the business now. Reaching the marketplace is driven by tech uh, and innovation is, is, is being driven by tech. So, um, you know, there probably should be some evolution of the title, but, but deeper in your question, I think it's all about the role has evolved, no doubt. Uh, it, it you know it went from being more operationally focused. I think now in the 21st century, in the third decade of the 21st century, um, it is an absolute uh, senior executive position uh, with strategic responsibilities, uh, major decision-making responsibilities. So it's you know the role is elevated. It's it's a much more serious senior role today. I agree. And I think the title that I keep hearing more and more, and you've alluded to this, would be chief information or chief technology and innovation. The word innovation is starting to come through yeah. more and more. And of course, you talk about misunderstood words. I think you would agree. <laughs> innovation is incredibly misunderstood. Everything's you have to be an inventor, something brand new, as opposed to rethinking, redesigning business processes in a more mm -hmm. efficient manner based on new realities. That's right. So let's get back to data governance. I mean, the federal government has really taken uh, a major leadership role in this because, you know, they've been collecting data in, in masses, amounts of ma mass amounts of data for so many years, and, and they're still struggling with this. And then, of course, you add artificial intelligence to all this, um, but the foundation is still data. This foundation yes. of everything is data. So if somebody's listening to this and suddenly they want to know more because they would like they, they're in the position of data gathering. Now they're being pressed to do more in terms of analyzing. What is how does one start? I mean, what yeah. are the what are the fundamentals that you recommend to people? Yeah. Well, it still remains sort of a, a kind of a misunderstood uh, title. You know, as as I was writing this book and speaking to family members and friends, maybe who are not in the tech industry, they they actually had no idea what it was. And so I found myself explaining the topic to non-technical people. Now, it's probably fair also to say that there's a lot of technical people who don't understand what it is. So uh, let me quickly define it, I think. I think that would be quite valuable. Um, you know, writing a book on data governance is not breaking news. You know, I, this is not a new topic, as I said earlier. 
And but it's more important today. And 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 apparently, I, I found this data point interesting. Over the next twelve to eighteen months, thirty percent of all organizations will make some investment or increased investment in data governance. So it's it's kind of a big deal. And and that drove you know the the publisher to want to write this book as well. Um, you know, so do 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 organizations do data governance? That's the question. Well, underlying data governance is this kind of basic layer called data management. And I say that every company, every organization does data management, right? Because, well, you know, you're, you're, you're storing information in a database, you're updating a database, you're, you're creating data, you're doing spreadsheets and Word documents and uh, using, you know, all sorts of tools that create data. Uh, and so if you're, at a minimum, storing it and protecting it from unauthorized access. I'd argue you're in data management, and that covers most organizations. Now, the question, though, is do you do it well, and do you do it with discipline? And are you getting the most value from what you're doing? And then finally, are you securing it in the right way? And those questions are often, they result in uh, kind of embarrassed silence, as in, I don't know if we're doing it well. I'm not sure if we're doing it right. I don't know if we're compliant. You know, we try our best around cybersecurity, but you know, you, you can see it's a it's a, a whack-a-mole. It's changing all the time and trying to make sure, you know, every bit of data is protected in the way it should be protected is really hard. So data governance works hand in hand with data management to make sure that it's done really well. And my definition is uh, data governance is about managing data well. It's as simple as that. Um, there are two avenues to it. Now, you asked me specifically, like, how do you get started? There's two major buckets of data governance. There's data governance that we call defensive governance. And that means stuff on the in the back office, right? That means, are you compliant, you know, particularly if you're a regulated industry? Um, are you protecting data? So cybersecurity is actually in this space. Um and then uh, do the right people have access to data? And then equally, do, do certain people not have access, right? So that's all that back office stuff. We call that defensive data management. Now there's offensive, right? And that means using data to grow your business. That means kind of using data to do marketing, to identify uh, customers, to understand your existing customer behaviors, to build better products. And by the way, leaders are, of course, much more interested in offensive data management versus uh, defensive. The first thing to do is, uh, you know, create a vision around this. What, what do you want it to be? What, what's important to you? Now, it could be one or bo both of those things. Um, a, I'll quickly flag, you know, a, 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 a tip here, which is if you're an organization that is ready to embark on your data governance journey, you're not going after everything on day one, you, you really need to bite off little by little by little and grow over time. It is complicated and it can be, uh, it, it can easily fail if you do it wrong. People won't go on the journey with you. They won't align well with what you're trying to do as an organization. So figure out where your focus is early. I think that's the first important stop, uh, uh, starting point. And by the way, when I say we, and I'm talking about lots of we's and I's, in terms of creating a vision, that is something uh, that should be done uh, with representatives across your organization. So leaders, uh, middle management, VPs, um, associates, uh, people in the tech department, people in legal and audit, 
um, across the business should be engaged in this discussion of like, what do we focus on? What do we hope to get out of this? And, you know, in, in, in the sort of in the traditional sense, you move that then from vision to some sort of plan. It could be a data strategy or a data governance strategy. Um, you need to figure out what people are going to do. Like what is, what are the responsibilities? And that means, um, you know, if you're if you're a big regulated complex organization, you're probably going to be hiring some people um, because these will these 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 important roles will be full time. If you are a medium to small organization, uh, it's probably going to be part of somebody's time, right? And and that means people like people who care about uh, you know. Um, people who come into work every day and worry about important data sets, like you know, if um, if if your your customer data set is a really important data set, the question is: Is it kept current? Are there duplicates in there? You know, is it is it high quality? And you have to have actually a person generally who comes in every day and kind of worries about that and really makes that a priority. Um, and that goes for all the data sets that you that you find important. Then metrics. Right, measure the whole thing. You, you know, you have to do that. That's kind of uh, the meat and potatoes of what we do, and uh, and then operationalize this thing because data governance is not a project. Right, let's be clear, it's a program. Uh, it doesn't start, execute, and then finish. There's no endpoint. In a really high performing organization, data governance is just how the business operates. That's just it. Just becomes part of your operating model, um, and then you got to figure out that as part of the the steps you take. So that's like really, really high level. I go into, of course, into the details in my book, but that's the, that's the top points. You do. And I appreciate you distinguishing between data management and data governance. Um, you know, I always think of governance as the policies. It is the strategy. Um, managing is, is, is more clean cut. I think we all understand management. Governance is this elusive term. It's, mm. it's kind of fluid, sticky. It's like, what is this? <laughs> um, but there's another piece, and that is the leadership piece. You talked about, you know, I mean, there are different people collecting data at different levels. But ultimately, while it would be great to have people collectively look at what their needs are for the better betterment of the organization, public or private, there seems to be a trend towards somebody being the orchestra leader. I always look at it as a symphony leader. We have yeah. many experts, many folks that uh, are take a part in some form of data collection or analysis, but someone's got to lead the effort. Tell us a little bit about what an organization should be looking for in terms of that leader. Should it be the CIO? Should it be the CDO, chief mm. you know, data officer? Is there a title I'm missing in all of this? Um, <laughs> who is the one that should be kind of overseeing it, the orchestrator, to kind of make sure that the organization is in harmony? Yeah, yeah, so vital. You know, you and I have uh, been around the block in terms of tech for many, 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 many years. Um, and we, I think we could both attest that you know, uh, successful projects and programs uh, live or die by leadership. You know, if, if you don't have a passionate sponsor, um, you know, you're, you're at a, dis a massive disadvantage. Uh, the, the number one reason cited why projects fail is lack of a, a passionate project from start to uh, a passionate leader from start to finish. Um, so uh, you've got to have the CEO on board. You've got to have the C-suite, you know, bought into this thing. You know, partial sort of, you know, nods won't work. <laughs> you got to get people saying, uh, we see data governance as a strategic lever in our organization. It's going to help us make better decisions. Uh, we're going to make more money. We're going to grow the business. We're going to grow 
uh, our uh, penetration to the marketplace. I mean, they got to believe that and understand how they're going to get there through better management of this vital asset, this data asset they have. So who's going to do that? Well, now this all depends on the size of the organization. Uh, you know, you know, medium to large size. Once you get to the larger, you know, Fortune 1000 type companies, um, you're going to have dedicated people. Uh, I mean, you're probably going to have a um, a data governance manager or VP or director, like a senior executive who has responsibility for the program ongoing. Um, smaller organizations, it's going to be likely shared. Uh, generally, uh, the the best practice is, is not to have it live in IT. Um, data governance is not really an IT function. Uh, IT is a massive participant. <laughs> Let's sure. be clear, right? Um, and you know we call the IT part of this the the data custodians, like because the data is going to reside in the cloud or on you know in a, in a in a data center and in, in on servers, um, and it's typically the IT personnel and the the the, the uh, chief uh, secure uh, information security officer and the chief information officer, chief technology officer who sort of care and feed for the infrastructure, the technology serving up of all this data. Uh, but the use of it, which is really what businesses are ultimately concerned with, um, is a business function, and so there has to be some nice uh, collaboration there. Um, in some organizations, those that can afford it and, and are sophisticated enough, the chief data officer uh, is is often the accountable person on the in the C-suite for data governance. Uh, we see that increasingly. Um, they wouldn't necessarily do day-to-day stuff, of course, but they would have people reporting to them like a governance manager or a governance team. Um, and then uh, you, you may have sort of an administrator and, and, and some other uh sort of analyst and associate level positions uh, in that. Overall, though, the, the bigger point beyond just the sort of leader is how people participate. And roles and responsibilities are an essential part of successful data governance. Um, so people across the organization have roles. The, the real answer is everybody's responsible for data. And I know that sounds like a cliche, but it's true. And most staff actually don't know how they're supposed to treat and use data. <laughs> like. You know the, the the common activity is that you know a an associate in some division in some department um, you know attaches a file and emails it, and they actually don't know if that was okay. They just do it um, unless there's policy or training that that helps, and that all comes from data governance. Um, but there are people we call them data stewards. These people who have specific responsibilities for data and caring and feeding for it and ensuring that uh, it is compliant and uh, the right people can access it. And they do checks and balances all along the way in the life span of the of the data. Uh, that's, a, that's a role that's either a full-time role in each department or uh, it is a part of somebody's, somebody's role. So um, to really, I'm glad you asked because you know, at the end, you know, this kind of starts... At the end of the day, this starts and ends with roles and responsibilities. So I want to wind up with looking to the future. Sure. All this information, we're 
more and more dependent on augmented technologies like AI, as at least it's being packaged today. And in fact, just earlier today, Microsoft announced that their Bing search agent is now going to be integrated with AI. Yeah. We have ChatGPT, <laughs> which as a professor, I'm a professor, you know, that's really shaking up the academic <laughs> world. It's like, oh my God, how do I read yeah. these papers? Yeah. Um, we cannot ignore technology when it comes to data collection, data analysts. What do you see the future with all these new tools um, I, I guess technology and governance are are going to be forever entwined. Yes. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Well, you know, if, if you look back over the last 300 years, you know, you can see, for example, the emergence of the steam engine really changed a lot of stuff, right? You know, go back to the 1800s, electricity really changed stuff. Uh, I, I'm okay going on record and saying chat GPT and AI is one of those game changers. Um, AI has been with us for you know a few decades, uh, but it, it appears that we, we we're turning a corner here uh, into a, in a, a, the next few months and years. I think are going to be stunning uh, in so many ways, shocking <laughs> maybe. Um, so I actually see ChatGPT as as a very significant um, uh, milestone in the progress of humanity. And you might think I'm overstating it. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, uh, the, the, the degree to which generative AI, which is the larger category, is going to impact, you know, us lowly professors, you know, you know <laughs> uh, us, but, but from professors to uh, engineers to creators and, and medicine and law and government. I mean, it's really, it's a time to get your head really wrapped around this. So I, I do think this is an important time. Um, it, it's a turning point for, for sure. Uh, you know, underlying all of this, you know, fundamentally is is data. So, you know, I, I reminded my students yesterday in one of my classes that when chat GPT spits out an answer, it actually doesn't know what it's saying. You know, it, when it says, you know, uh, a bicycle has wheels, it's correct for from our perspective to read it, but it doesn't know what a bicycle is, nor does it know what wheels are. Right. So let's be let's be clear. Um, we're, we've still we still got a long way there, but it knows to find and use that data and serve that up in a meaningful way. And it's in a, in a kind of a, almost an eerie way, it's getting it right a lot of the time. Um, but, you know, bad data into chat GPT is going to give you some bad answers. Uh, and, uh, act, you know, data that shouldn't be served up in an answer to chat GPT, that's going to be problematic too. <laughs> like, I don't want my home address necessarily coming up in chat GPT, um, you know, or, or and, and, and that's just the, that's the sort of simplest, you know, uh, uh, simple part of, uh, uh, you know, information, although addresses now are pretty, pretty transparent, aren't they? So that's not a, you know, but who knows my driver's license or my social security number, you know, are we protecting all that? So, I do see a really tight relationship between data governance and, and artificial intelligence. Uh, and in fact, to the extent where I include that in the book, I actually discuss uh, AI and data governance and why they are intertwined. They're intertwined in terms of uh, the way that data governance informs and helps um, AI. Um, and um, uh, so, so, so I talk about that angle. Um, but also the, um, so it, 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 it obviously provides the content and make sure it's correct, but it, it, uh, it, what's the other, what's the other point? I'm just, I'm struggling. I'm, I lost my train of thought, but it's to do with, um, uh, making it better. Right. Uh, uh so 
um, AI can make data governance better. Yes, I got to it. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I know you were listening like so closely and everybody on, you know, and with their headphones on in the gym are thinking, he got there. <laughs> I know, I, it's late in the day here in San Francisco. And I thought, you know, I um, uh, it's late in the afternoon. So there we go. So, you know, when you are leading data governance uh, activities, um, increasingly AI is helping to do that too. So you can see the two angles there. Yeah. Well, I'm going to leave it at that because if I do more, we're going to have to go into a, another episode, but I look forward to your next book. Uh, give us a tease on that. How far along are you uh, with cryptocurrencies? Uh, sure. Well, surprise, surprise. I actually finished it. Oh, and okay. yeah, it's coming out on February 27th, 2023. So today we're recording this on February 7th. So 20 days from today, 20 days it comes out. The book is called simply called Cryptocurrency. Okay. And it is. Is it for uh, dummies or is it uh, separated from that series? It's separated from the series. It's actually okay. a different. It's a different publisher. Okay. Uh, it comes from a New York based publisher called Clyde Bank Media. And it is in my style, though. It, you know, it, it is uh, a educational book. It's not an right. advocacy. I don't, you know, I, I didn't go, uh, um, I didn't approach it with uh, sort of saying, you, you need to buy crypto and this is what you need to do. It's more like, w w what's the origin of crypto? How does it work? What can you do with it? Where is it headed? And what I've really wanted to do with the book, and I know we'll talk about that uh, in a few weeks probably, is uh, give you the information and let you make your mind up. You decide what you want to do with crypto. Really risky, really interesting. But uh, but I don't, you know, I give no advice on whether you should do it or not. I give you the, uh, the information you decide. But of all the topics you've chosen, this one is still in flux here. So, I mean, the the difficulty of a print book, and I've been part of that, is you're on record versus something that you can change if it was a website or an <laughs> ebook. So, um, you may be doing some updates along the way on this one. <laughs> I think so. I think there'll be revisions. That's for sure. Yes. All right. Well, thank you, Jonathan, for joining us. Uh, for those who came a little bit late, it's uh, we've been talking with jo Dr. Jonathan Reichenthal who is an author, teacher, professor, um, uh, keynote, all things, uh, and growing. And uh, we've focused this uh, episode on data governance. We look forward to talking to you about uh, uh, cryptocurrencies and all that too. So thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Alan. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. I always enjoy interviewing Jonathan. What, a, what an inspiration. So as we always close our podcast, please consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts or simply go to sharkbites.net where you will be appraised of all the upcoming topics that we cover. And until next time, please be safe personally and digitally. This has been a production of the Comtia Public Technology Institute. To learn more, visit connect.comtia.org and search public sector.